everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I am so glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So today we are actually going to be continuing a conversation that we began in the last episode, which is about Psalm 34. In the previous episode, episode 75 of this podcast, we talked about Psalm uh, Psalm 34 verses 1 through 3. So uh, that would be a good one to listen to before moving on into this episode. But even if you don't, this is still probably going to be, uh, it's, it'll, it'll be able to stand on its own as well. So let me just, um, let's begin just by by reading this passage. Well, I'm not going to read all of Psalm 34, but I am going to start at verse 1 and read, we'll go through, let's go through verse 10 here. So it says, Psalm 34, 1 through 10, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Before going on, let's just pause. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just acknowledge that you are the one who opens our eyes. You are the one who empowers us to understand spiritual truth, Lord, and I understand your word the way that it's meant to be understood. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your out of your law, Lord. I pray that you please speak to us, help us to know, help us to understand. Let us hear from you because, Lord, unless you honor this time, it, it won't come to anything. It really won't, Lord. You are the one with power. So, Lord, please speak to us and honor this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'll start it back in verse 1, but like I said just a moment ago, I already talked about verses 1 through 3 in detail in the previous episode, so we're going to um, move beyond those and kind of pick back up here in verse 4. Verses 4 and following, that is. So let me let me ask you a question that is... Um, that I already know the answer to. So, but anyways, uh, I'll ask you anyways. So, do you want to be delivered from your fears? Do you want to be delivered from all your fears? Do you want to be radiant? Do you want your face to never be ashamed? Do you want the Lord to hear you? Do you want the Lord to save you out of all your troubles? Do you want the angel of the Lord to encamp around you and deliver you? Do you want to have no lack? Do you want to lack no good thing? 
Obviously, I know the answer to those questions. I mean, obviously, I say, you know, do you want to be delivered out of all your fears? The answer is yes. Do you want to be radiant? Yes. Do you want your face to never be ashamed? Yes. Do you want the Lord to hear you, save you out of all your troubles? Yes. Do you want the angel of the Lord to encamp around you and deliver you? Yes. Do you want to have no lack? Yes. Do you want to lack no good thing? Yes. Well, I just, you know, you probably, you know, picked up that I was just taking bits and pieces out of the passage that we just read. So we want those things to be true in our lives, right? We want them to be true. But my question is, are we doing the rest that these verses say? Are we doing the other parts of these verses? If these are the things that we want to happen in our lives, are we doing the things that the verses say play a role in that? So let's go back through it again. Not the whole passage. We'll just start in verse 4. But listen for the things that I just said. And then see kind of what our responsibility in the process is. Beginning in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So you you hear, obviously I, I emphasize our part of uh, our responsibility is here. In fact, let me grab my journal here um, and open it up because this is a, this is a passage of scripture. One of the reasons that I'm talking about this was I didn't sit down and decide, oh, let's talk about Psalm 34 just randomly. This was something that I feel like the Lord was speaking to me through um, not too long ago. And so I'm, let me just flip open my journal here and find some things here. So yeah, so I, this is I'm, I'm reading my journal. It says this. Those who experience, in fact, yeah, I'll start with this. Those who experience these benefits are those who seek the Lord, verses 4 and 10, look to the Lord, verse 5, cry to the Lord, verse 6, fear the Lord, verses 7 and 9, and take refuge in the Lord, verse 8. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we doing these things? Are we seeking the Lord? Are we looking to the Lord? Are we crying to the Lord? Are we fearing the Lord? Are we taking refuge in the Lord? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves with regard to this passage. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You know, one thing that, uh, this, is, this is just kind of cool. You know, I shared, I shared in um, a recent episode Episode 72, A Sacrifice of Praise, and also the last one, just about how I feel like the Lord has been leading me into um, just praising Him and worshiping Him, offering Him a sacrifice of praise, period. Regardless of circumstances and everything else, that's just that is an acceptable offering to give to the Lord, to worship Him, praise Him, and thank Him, especially when things are not necessarily going the way that, you know, all the things going exactly the way that we'd want them to, because if we wait for everything to go exactly how we want it to before we praise God, then... We will always find a reason not to thank him and not to praise him, but we need to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, something that costs us something. 
right? So I choose to worship him, though the fig tree should not blossom. That whole passage from Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Don't want to reteach that content, but you can even probably see now that the content has been meaningful to me and I just, I kind of want to reteach it. So at the same time that I feel like the Lord has been showing me that, I have also just in, you know, my read through the Bible, been in the book of Psalms. And so it's like the Lord gave me this this beautiful thing right here. It's like to, to worship him and to praise him and to thank him no matter what's going on and that that's an acceptable sacrifice. And then I'm spending all this time in the book of Psalms, which is like training wheels for that very thing. It's, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, it's like worship training wheels. And, and that illustration falls apart immediately because you never outgrow the book of Psalms or anything like that. But you get what I'm saying. It's like, okay, this is, this is a wonderful way to learn just to continually thank the Lord and to worship the Lord and, and so on and so forth. And this has been really wonderful because, you know, worship, thanking God, not that I've done this perfectly, guys, I really haven't. And there are some days that go by where I'm just like, I just did not nail it today. I did not walk with the spirit of gratitude towards the Lord or anything like that, the way that I should have. But by its very nature, it's relational. I'm thanking a person. I'm I'm worshiping, you know, a person, the Lord. This is personal stuff. I'm I'm grateful to a person. And why am I saying this right now? I'm saying this because just as an example, that our walk with the Lord it should be growing in intimacy and closeness to Him as a as a person. God is not just a concept. Jesus is not just an idea or a theory. The Lord is a living, real, true person that we interact with in a personal way. And the Bible has this all over the place. Like uh, in, in the verse that we've quoted plenty of times in this podcast in John 17, 3, where Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that they know you. You hear that personal language. Or perhaps you can think about Matthew 7, 21 through 23, which is a passage of scripture that we have also talked about um, on this podcast. We did a, devoted an entire episode to it. Um, and it's where Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will, de- or, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. If you read the Psalms, for example, it's it's highly highly personal language, like uh, just very much so. And so we should be growing in our relationship with and closeness to God. And what we're talking about today in this passage in Psalm 34, these are highly personal things. Seeking the Lord, looking to him, crying to him, right? Fearing him. Um, seeking him. Uh, these are these are all these are all very very personal things. And so I just why am I saying this before we move on? I'm saying it just this way. Your relationship with Jesus and my relationship with Jesus should be moving in in the direction of just that relationship. And if we're trying to do the Christian life, trying to live the Christian life and and seeking the Christian experience outside of the context of just a growing closeness and intimacy with God, then we're on the wrong track and we're headed straight towards dryness. Remember where Jesus said um, for us to abide in him? 
Uh, so I'll just go over here to John 15 really quickly. Um, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That was John uh, 15, 4 through 5. And so this idea of staying close to Jesus, just truly seeking the Lord, and not just kind of getting into these sorts of um, religious activities, right? Being Mary and sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teaching, in like in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, to really hear from him, to seek him. So, and I'll put it to you this way. If we get up early, read our Bibles, um, go to church and all this sort of stuff, but we're not actually encountering God and our purpose in doing it is not actually to spend time with, with our, with our Lord, then we're missing it entirely. I mean, remember the Pharisees were very, very religious people and yet they totally missed it. And we are heading in the direction of becoming just like them anytime that we continue in religious activities, but separated from actually seeking relationship with God. Like where Jesus said to the Pharisees, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. So we just want to stay close to the Lord. Um, I could continue talking about that. But that's what we see here. We see these things that we're talking about are connected to being close to God, seeking him, crying out to him. Let me... um. Let me give you an interesting example from the book of 2 Chronicles. Let's see here, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. This is an incident in the life of King Asa, who is one of the rulers of the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. So he rules over um, he rules over Judah. He, it says, I'm, I'm just looking over here in verse 8. He put away the detestable idols. Um, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule and of the house of the Lord. He, let's see here. Um, it says that the Lord his God was with him. And they sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. That's verse 11 of chapter 15 of Second Chronicles. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart, with all their soul. Um, but that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all, re- and all Judah rejoiced over the oath. For they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. So just, and I was, I was kind of hopping around there. That was me just kind of cherry picking a few things from verses 8 through 15. But that part did just stand out to me where it says, um, it says, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with, all, with their whole desire. It says, and he was found by them. And he was found by them. And let me just say, the same is true for you. Just like I said back in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. We know in um, in Hebrews 11, uh, I'll, let me go over here to Hebrews 11 really quickly. Hebrews 11, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So he'll be found by you if you seek him. 
Um, it says, uh, just again, I'm just trying to get you kind of the, the, the flavor, as it were, of Asa and his reign um, and how things are starting off really, really good, right? But then it says, even Ma'aka, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, that was verse, or chapter 16 of verse 15. I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 16. It said, even Ma'aka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image to Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. So, he, again, he's not a perfect king. goes on to say, But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So in chapter 15 of Second Chronicles, you're like, this is legit. This guy's. This guy's a good king. This is great. And uh, you might be like, well, what? Like, dude, what are you talking about this for? What does this have to do with Psalm 34? Well, just just hang with me. We'll come back to that. Turning into chapter 16 of Second Chronicles, it says, In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Ejon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Basha, Basha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and his timber with which Basha had been building. And with them he built Geba and Mizpah. So, I mean, that was verses 1 through 6 of Second Chronicles 16. So what happened was Asa, you know, he goes and he takes, a, it says that he took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord, which that should be a red flag to us immediately. And he uses it to basically bribe uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, to turn on um, Basha, king of Israel, the northern king of Israel, who's attacking Judah. And from a human perspective, it worked. It worked, but let's see what can happen as we continue in verse 7 here. But at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. And then here's a really famous passage right here. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this. For now, uh, for from now on, you will have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. Okay, this, uh, we'll pause there. That was through verse 10. This is a, this is a pretty hard turn here. Like, this is later into his reign. It says the 36th year of the reign of Asa. He makes this treaty with Syria. And then the Lord sends, 
It says uh, that Hanani the seer came to Asa and said, you know, because you relied on the king of Syria and, and not on, you know, the Lord your God, Syria has escaped you. Like, and he refers back to these other things. He says, what about the Ethiopians and the Libyans? Weren't they a huge army? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. Which this is, um, this is a side note. I mean, a, a lot of times we will rely on anything other than the Lord, even if nominally, even with our words, we say we rely on God and trust in God, we are always looking for safety nets otherwise. We're always looking for other ways to be like, okay, yeah, but if God doesn't come through, then I'll have this. And uh, so before we're too quick to be critical on uh, Asa, we do the same thing. We, we doubt the Lord at times, and we don't believe that he will come through when he's promised that he will come through. We don't trust him. And so we set up these safety nets or try to do things like that. We do something very similar. And then we just see this harshness from Asa. We see, it says he inflicts cruelties on some of the people at that time. He put this this poor seer, you know, in the stocks in prison. And the seer didn't do anything wrong. He did. He obeyed the Lord. And uh, it kind of makes me think where... um where uh, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is kind of like a, a little snapshot of that. Then let's just finish out this chapter. There's only uh, about four more verses, but this is the part that I was getting to. This is what's going to tie it together with Psalm 34. So resuming in verse 11, The acts of Asa from first to last are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the forty-first year of his reign. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut out, that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bier that had been filled with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art. And they made a very great fire in his honor. And that is the end of Second Chronicles uh, 16. So kind of a sad ending there, right? So he gets this disease in his feet. This, uh, this is a few years after the whole thing. It says, because this was in the 36th year of his reign, that uh, he you know, relied on Syria. And then in his 39th year, he was diseased in his feet. And then he died in his 41st year. So not too terribly long after all of this took place. So what is what is the point here? It's right here where it says his disease became severe. It says, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord. He did not seek the Lord, but sought the help from physicians. And I don't think the point is that seeking help from physicians is wrong. But I think the point, the focus here is that he did not seek uh, the Lord. Even in his disease, he did not turn to the Lord. Even in his disease, he didn't cry to the Lord in his trouble. And can't we be the same way? Can't we be the same way that whenever difficulties and things like that come along, we, you know, we, we do everything in our power to try to control the circumstance, but do we cry out to God? And so I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, if you're in turmoil, if you're struggling, if you're suffering, if something is going on, are you crying to the Lord in your trouble? Are you calling out to God? Are you seeking him? I think about Psalm 107, which is another passage of scripture that we've talked about a lot in this podcast, but how in Psalm 107, there are 
Four different groups of people described. All four of them are in adverse circumstances of different kinds. Some of them are in these unpleasant circumstances because of their own actions, and other people have just kind of found themselves there. However, in all four of the circumstances, the solution is the same. It's this verse that is repeated identically. It's stated four times identically in Psalm 107. Verses, uh, it's verses 6, 13, um, let's see, 6, 13, 19, and then also verse 28. I just looked at that real quick just to tell you the references. And this is what it says. It says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And so, is that... Is that what we do in our distress? When things begin to fall apart financially, uh, relationally, um, physically, in, in any manner speaking, we're struggling in any way, is our first response to cry out to the Lord in our trouble. Like it says here back in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. It's just so beautiful back there in Second Chronicles 15, when, when they sought the Lord, he was found by them. You guys, just you got to know his heart. You got you, you to gotta know that he wants to be found by you, that he wants. The whole, and think about the gospel. If the Lord did not want to have a relationship with you, then why would Jesus have come at all in the first place? He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Will you seek him? Um, so coming back to Psalm 34. We see that, like I said, we have this um, this broken down into multiple categories. I, I, I put down my uh, my journal, which I should not have done yet because I'm coming right back to this page from earlier. But we have uh, these different things that we should be doing. And if we want to experience these results, we need to be doing these things ourselves. And what did he say? It was to seek the Lord, to look to the Lord, to cry to the Lord, to fear the Lord, and to take refuge in the Lord. And so, I mean, when it comes to seeking the Lord, of course, we understand that this is going to take the form of things like prayer, focusing on God, meditating on his word day and night, prioritizing our relationship with him, seeking wisdom from him, um, looking to the Lord. Again, same sort of thing is when we have a need, when we're in a situation that says those who look to him are radiant. So we look to God and, um, you know, that makes me think about even when Moses was up on the mountain and he came down off the mountain and his face shone. Right? It says, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Um, and that I, I wonder, honestly, if that was kind of in the back of uh, David's mind as under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this. But those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. You know, crying to the Lord. We understand these things. But I just want to take a very brief moment to comment on fearing the Lord. And uh, because that's one of the things here, it says here in, let's see, verse nine, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. So what does this mean? What is, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, let's continue on in Psalm 34 here, because verses 11 through 14 deal with that very question. Resuming in verse 11 of Psalm 34, says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil 
and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That was Psalm 34, 11 through 14. And so he says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then he gives these a few examples here. Keep your tongue from evil and from, in your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Let me just say this. The fear of God is going to be connected to obedience to him. If someone is walking in disobedience to the Lord and they were saying, oh, I fear the Lord, I don't know how that statement could be true because if you feared him, then you would obey him. In fact, let me look over here at Psalm, not Psalm, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, where we see the ideas of fearing the Lord and obedience connected. It says, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So you hear that, fear God and keep his commandments. It's, they're, they're there in the exact same verse. So now I know when we say fear the Lord, I don't know what all comes to your mind exactly. But if what comes to your mind when you hear fear the Lord um, is something that um, excludes tenderness, kindness, and mercy, then that's not a biblical idea of the Lord because, you know, God, uh, do we need to fear the Lord? Yes. Does he take sin seriously? Yes. We also know that Jesus described himself as gentle and lowly. We know that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let's look at, um, let's look at Psalm 33, 8 and 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So we see the idea of fear here. It says, let let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And then it talked about just how incredible, how powerful, how, I mean, how there's no one higher than God. It says, for he spoke, and it came to be. I think part of the fear of the Lord is just knowing. It's just like, wow, the you know, the, the Lord, the one with whom I'm interacting is the most high. And yes, he loves me. He loves me. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's so clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, um, you know, he so loved the world that he gave his only son that you know, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Like his love is so overabundant. We have to have an idea of that. But let me just kind of summarize Let me summarize the fear of God with this, and I hope this makes sense and balances this out. It's just taking God seriously. It's knowing that if God says something, I'm going to take him seriously. If he says something in his word, if if he leads me to do something, I'm not just going to be like, eh, I'm going to do whatever I want. It's like, no, he's the Lord. And the Bible says we were bought with a price, right? And we need to honor the Lord. So, I think about like in Hebrews 12, where it talks about anyone who does not receive discipline is not a child of God. So realizing that, yes, the Lord will, you know, discipline us. Like if we get off path, it's, there's that sort of awareness as well. So I think it's just taking the Lord seriously, and that's going to be connected to obedience. I hope that makes sense. So, I mean, since we're this far into the psalm, let's finish out the psalm. There's a few more sections here, and I'm going to I'm going to read the remainder of the psalm and just make a few comments. Resuming in Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. 
not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And that was the end of the psalm. I'll just point out really quickly there, verse 20, where it says he keeps his, uh, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. That is actually a uh, messianic prophecy. Let's see here. In John 19.36, let me go over here to John 19.36 really quickly. It says, uh, John 19, sorry, I, I hadn't pulled this up beforehand. It says, So the soldiers came, beginning in verse 32, came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken." And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. But there, that's, you know, quoting Psalm 34, right there, where we see that is uh, fulfilled in Jesus there at his crucifixion. So we see these wonderful promises here. Like where it says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. And that's so important. The Lord hears us when we cry out to him. Are you in Christ Jesus? Because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that... um, If you are in Christ, then you are the righteousness of God. And here it says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Now, Psalm 66, 18 does say, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so, I mean, there's certainly the category that uh, if if there is something that we need to repent of, it can interfere with our our prayer life. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 7 explicitly um, says that if husbands are not treating their wives right, then their prayers will be hindered. So there certainly, you know, is is the need for that. And if there's ever any doubt, if there's something interfering with your prayer life, I think you could simply ask the Lord. I think that's a prayer he'd want to answer. But coming back to Psalm 34, you have this sort of uh, talk here where it's like, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. You have this all language, Right. Uh, Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Verse 19, even going back, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So, uh, you know, we might look at these verses and what might come to mind, and I just want to address this because this could potentially be an elephant in the room. What could possibly come to mind would be like, well, what about people who, you know, who were seeking the Lord and they were, you know, martyred or killed or something like that? Like, it doesn't really sound like such a person was delivered out of their trouble. So what do we do with that? Let's just, you know, let's let's briefly talk about this sort of thing. And then let's end on a really hopeful note because we're just about to wrap up here. I think it can be easy for us to view death as the worst possible thing that could happen to a human being. But according to Jesus, it's not. So here in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, um, you know, actually, I'll read through seven, four through seven. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. This is Paul's there. That's verse four. Jesus is implying that that is not the worst case scenario. Do not fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But then he goes on, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him whom, uh, fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I think that's just such a precious, precious part right there. But where he says, he says, don't just fear those who can kill the body. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. So the worst thing that could happen to a person is not ultimately death. The worst thing that could ultimately happen to a person is separation from God forever in hell. Right? That's, that is the worst possible thing. You look throughout the ages and there are a lot of God-fearing people who, who died a martyr's death, who were persecuted and did not escape the sword in that scenario. You can look at, I mean, even just throughout the scriptures, look at Stephen, who was stoned for his faith. Look at Abel, who was murdered by his brother. I mean, you could, you could think of plenty of examples of people even in the scriptures. Um, look at James, who was killed, the, uh, the, the disciple James, who was killed by Herod. So you could, you could think of multiple examples. But my point is just this. If you are born again, if you are in Christ, then you absolutely will ultimately be delivered. Period. Um, no matter what happens, no matter, you know, because like Paul said, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, and, and for some people, um, that, that ends up leading to, to martyrdom. But no matter what happens, whether you know you live to be an old age and, and have relatively few troubles throughout life, or if you are, were martyred young in, in you know um, seeking to advance the kingdom of God, you will be delivered out of your afflictions. You will you will um, be delivered out of your trouble, and that can't be taken away. That can't be stolen away. In the end, like, listen, in the end, everything will be made right. We get to see the end of the story. In the end, everything will be made right. And let's just, let's, let's kind of end here with the example of Jesus. But then I want to give you some hope for the here and now as well. Because I don't want you to be like, oh, well, that's not very comforting here. But so, but let's just, let's look at the example of Jesus. He did not skip the cross, of course, but he did come out the other side, didn't he? He did not stay dead. God raised him from the dead. So before we end, I want you to say, I want to say that these verses right now, I want you, these passages, I just included that whole part right there as a bit of a caveat for anybody who's saying, well, what if, what about this Christian? What about this? What about this person who died or something like that? And I understand that, but I don't think, I mean, these, these verses I believe that we are meant to hold on to these in the here and now. I think if you want to be delivered from all your fears, seek the Lord. I think that if you want to be radiant and for your face to never be ashamed, look to him. I think that if you want to be saved out of all your troubles, cry to the Lord. If you want the angel of the Lord to encamp around you and to deliver you, then fear the Lord. Obey him, right? Because fear and obedience are going to be connected there. If you want to, um, you know, experience no lack, fear the Lord, it says here. If you want to lack no good thing, Seek the Lord. And obviously, we're not just talking about trying to get stuff from God, right? Like, ultimately, we need to be seeking Him. We need to be seeking His face. We need to be seeking His presence because we love Him. But but I'm just trying to expound a little bit on what this psalm says. So here, let me just back up a few psalms. Let's end at Psalm 27. Go down here, Psalm 27, 
13, it says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So before we come and we say, oh, all this stuff just doesn't actually mean anything practical for my life now. I mean, ultimately, everything will be fine. And ultimately, everything will be fine. Jesus is going to return. He's going to make everything right. Everything will be made right. And the former sadnesses will be uh, you know, wiped away because it says he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And that's um, that should comfort us immensely. But, you know, it's still there is still, I mean... We're talking about the here and now. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you hope in God? Do you cry to him? Are you just trying to survive this life and keep your head above the water? Because that's, that is not what we should aim for. It's kind of wonderful. I, um, with Psalm 34, I'll end with this. I was spending some time with the Lord and I read verses one through three, which we talked about last time. And I paused and prayed for a few minutes and I had a long list of things that were kind of on my mind, things where I needed to hear God speak. I needed to hear him talk to my heart. And after praying, um, I picked up where I left off in verse four and it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And it just seemed like a gift from God. It just seemed like a gift from the Lord um, that I just kind of paused and picked right back up there and right on the heels of this prayer where I just have this list of things in my mind that I'm going to, you know, jot down and talk to the Lord about where I need him to move or him to speak or for wisdom. He says that. And that was just so encouraging. And so I just want to leave you guys with that and um, encourage you guys just to do these things. Cry out to him. Don't make him your last resort. Let me pray for y'all. Father, please help us to do these things. Please help these dear souls and me to apply what we've talked about today. Help us to seek you, cry out to you, and look to you, Lord, because the greatest thing we need is your presence. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You give us drink from the river of your delights, is what the word says, Lord. So I just pray that we experience that and focus on you, Lord, and not get distracted by everything else. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, in closing, I just want to talk about the Bible as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any and all gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, instructions on how to do so can be found in the footer of every podcast episode description. And thank you so much to those of you who have already given. Uh, May the Lord bless you for your generosity. All right, my friends, until next time, God bless you.